Well, this morning we started a brand new series called Give It Up, and here's my question for you. Do you ever stay up late when you know that you need to go to sleep? Do you ever eat more calories than your body actually needs? What? I don't understand that one. Do you ever feel that you ought to exercise, but you don't? Have you ever used illness to get sympathy? Do you ever know that the right thing you need to do, but you don't do it? Do you ever know that something is wrong, but you do that anyway? Have you ever known that you should be unselfish, but you were selfish instead? Have you ever tried to fix someone else close to you? Have you, how, have you tried to help them manage the outcomes of their bad decisions? Have you ever let your kids do things that you would prefer they not do and you gave in because you want them to be happy? Do you say yes when you actually wanted to say no? Have you ever tried to control somebody or something and then you found out it was uncontrollable, but you kept trying anyway? Do you feel very little value in yourself compared to the people around you? Have you moved from job to job to job because your supervisors had problems and eventually you let them know about it? Do you seem to be making the same relationship, friendship mistakes over and over and over again? If you answer yes to any of these questions, welcome to the human race because we are all, every single one of us, recovering from something we have overworking and overeating, alcohol and drugs, overspending. We have guilt and grief and anger and rage and fear and anxiety. We have divorce and abuse and sexual addictions and codependency, insecurity, perfectionism. We have hypochondria, hurtful feelings, compulsive gambling, lying, pro procrastination, the need to control circumstances and people. Now, through this series with the help of the guy who wrote the book. Have you heard of the book, The Purpose Driven Life? With his help and the help of Stuttgart Harvest Church through this series, we're going to work on this. You're going to work on you. I'm going to work on me because life, well, because life, in life, things get broken apart and we try to put those things back together as normal as possible so that we can function through the day. But here's what usually ends up happening for me. I discovered when I put it back together that usually it's broken worse. Now in this series, we're going to be trying to put things back together, but we're going to do our best to put them back together God's way. So when we kind of get things worked on and put together God's way. Do you know what happens as we look around us? The world seems to make more sense. The, the world around us is actually better when we've got things put back together the way God wants it to. So we're going to work on that. We're going to help in this series, help us learn how to handle and overcome the hurts that are in our lives. We're going to talk about the habits that are messing up our lives and the hangups that we have that keep dragging us down because every single one of us, all of us have messed up. We all have hurts. We all have things that have impacted our behavior and it seems like we can't shake them. So we know God is perfect, and because God is perfect, God expects more from us, and because we know that God expects more from us, a lot of times we think this. We think, well, now that's scary, because God knows 
what he expects from me, and I'm not delivering that. So God is out to get me because I have messed up. Or we think he's out to kind of rub my nose in it so that I won't do it again. And because he's mad at me as well. He's out to to pay me back because I keep messing up. He's out to get it even with me because that's what I actually deserve. Those are our thoughts about God. But the reality is this, that God is not out to get us. God is wanting to get us out. He's wanting to take what is hurting and he wants to fix that. He's not out to get you. He wants to get you out of that. We're going to look at some scripture here in a moment. And God is in this passage, he's addressing the Israelites in the Old Testament. Those are the people, you know, God took them out of Egypt and he said, I'm going to tell my love story for the entire world through this nation, through this race of people. And so God warned him, though, he said, you know, as as we're on this journey, if you leave me, if you walk away from me, there will be consequences. Your life is going to fall apart, he said, basically. And in this scenario, the Israelites are in captivity. They did. The wheels came off. They started kind of, you know, here's what they did. They said, we want to live life our own way. I want to do it my way. And when they did, the consequences rolled and their bad decisions, it's just what happened. The nations came in and defeated them, conquered them, took them off into captivity. And God had every reason to be angry at them, every reason to be hurt, to be, to be angry. But here's what he said in Isaiah chapter 57, verse 18. He said, I have seen what they do. In other words, it's right in front of my face. You know, you thought you were hiding it, but there it is. I see it. I see, I have seen what they do, but I will heal them anyway. That's amazing. He said, I will lead them anyway. I'm going to lead them. I'm going to heal them. And he said, I will comfort those who mourn. I want to highlight that word mourn for a moment because it's as if God is saying this. Some of you, he's saying in this name, some of you, you don't want to live this life of running away from me any longer. He said, some of you are tired of this hurt and you're tired of this pain. And you're saying, I am ready for change. I want something different. I'm ready and God is saying, you know what, those who are mourned, those who are at that point, I, I, I'm ready to jump in. I, I'm ready to come in. I, I'm waiting for that. I've been waiting for that. He says, I'm ready to run in and to help you. And then you know what the result of him running in is? He, he gives it to us here in the next verse, in verse 19. The result will be this, bringing words of praise to their lips. May they have abundant peace, both near and far, says the Lord, who heals them. Peace. Wow. Does that sound nice? Does that sound good? Because so often for most of us, it is the opposite of what we actually have. As we lay down in night, at night to go to bed, our minds are racing with the hurts and the, and the problems of that day. And we have trouble shutting all of that down and going to sleep. We have the lack of peace. But God here is promising something to this nation. And I think he also would give you and me the very same promises. What does he want to do in our lives? If we have been hurt, I think this passage tells us this. If you've been hurt, God is ready to heal you. He wants to. That's his desire. If you're confused, he says, I want to lead you. If you've ever felt like you were helpless to change anything, he says, that's okay, I want to change that. If you've ever felt that nobody understands you or your problem, he says, I want to comfort 
you. And if you feel anxious or worried or afraid, he says, I want to offer you peace. The fact is life, it's tough. And we have an imperfect world and we are imperfect inside of that imperfect world. And we are hurt by other people and we have hurt other people. And the Bible says this, Romans 3, 23, for everyone, and you can double underline that, every single one of us has sinned. We all, you can underline that, every single one of us fall short of God's glorious standard. And what that is saying is this, it means none of us, none of us, myself included, we have all blown it. None of us are perfect. We've messed up. We have known the right thing to do, but we did the wrong thing anyway. We have chosen to hurt someone else. They have chosen to hurt us. And that makes what we're talking about over the next four weeks, this week and three more weeks, it makes this series for every single one of us, every one of us in this room, we need help recovering from life. Unless you've lived the perfect life, and I, I guess if you're not sure if that's you, let me clear it up. Like, it means you've never had a bath because when you were a child, you were standing on top of the water and you wouldn't go in the water. It, it, so unless that's you, we have all had imperfect lives and we have hurt, we have hurt others. And God says, I, I'm ready to be involved in whatever habit or hang up or hurt you have. We need help to get rid of it. If you've ever done something and later said, I knew better than to do that, but you did it anyway, even though you knew that eventually what you did somehow was going to come back and haunt you, somehow it was going to hurt somebody else or hurt yourself, and you did it anyway, because you know why we did it? It's just our natural way. That's the real me, and that's the real you. It's my natural way. You see, the real me, the real you, it gets us in all kinds of problems. I do things that aren't good for me. I, I do them even when I know it can be self-destructive. And I don't do consistently the things that I know are good for me. I don't do it. It, it causes me to respond the wrong way to people when somebody says something that hurts me. It causes me to treat other people wrong and to hurt them. And then eventually it backfires and it all blows up. I try to take my problems and I try to fix them. I try to manage them. But often when I fix them, they are worse than when I started. The wisest man to have ever lived, he describes that whole process that I have lived and you have lived. And here's what he says in, Rome, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a path before each person that seems right. In other words, sounded good to me. Might as well. That's okay. It's, it's okay at the time anyway. It seemed like a good idea in the moment. And he says this, but it ends in death. You see, we're always going to have that nature with us, that nature that says, I, I, that desire to do the wrong thing, even when I know the right thing to do. It's always going to be there. It, 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 if you're not a Christ follower today, you have that nature. If you are a Christ follower today, you still have that nature, and you're going to have that nature until you're with Jesus in a real place called heaven forever. That's when that nature will go away. But until then, we've got it. 
we still have that desire to do the wrong thing even when we know the right thing to do. Paul, perhaps the greatest Christ follower to have ever lived, in my opinion, that's all. He said this about himself. Listen to this, Romans chapter 7, verse 15. He said, I I don't understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Does that sound vaguely familiar for your life? I know it does for mine. I, I don't do what I need to do, what I want to do. Instead, I do the very thing that I shouldn't do, and sometimes the very thing I hate. Why is that? Why do I keep doing that? If you're taking notes today, we have notes. You can go to it on Facebook, uh, our Facebook church page. It's all on there. You can follow the link. Make sure you have an account for you version, because that's the only way to save your notes. The first note is this, the cause of that problem The cause of all of your problems, the cause of my problems, is this one thing. I want to be boss. That's the problem. You want to decide for your life what is right and what is wrong for your life. And I want to do that for my life. I I don't want anybody telling me what's right for me. We just have this desire to be boss in our lives, to make our own decisions, to, to, to have our own standards, our own values. I want to make my own rules. I want to be my own boss. I want to do life my own way. If it feels like that's right, that's what I want to do. And I don't want anybody else telling me what to do with my life. There's a phrase that describes this, and it's simply this. We are trying to play God. That's what we're doing. And what that says about me and what that says about you is that we want to be in control. We want to control the circumstances in our lives. We want to control the people around us. We want control. We want to control things so we get the outcome that we think the outcome needs to be or that we desire, so we try to control. And you know what? The more insecure that we are, the more we try to control the people around us and our circumstances and even ourselves. We are all driven to control. So am I. And that is called playing God. And it is the world's oldest problem. The first problem that we have recorded in Scripture, there it is, between Adam and Eve. Now, regardless of what you believe about Adam and Eve, we're not here this morning to try to convince you that the biblical account is the account. That's what I believe. But I don't believe it just because it's written down. Here's the reason I believe that Adam and Eve really existed. It's because this guy named Jesus who came down and predicted his death and predicted that three days later that he would rise again to life, not as a ghost, but his heart beating again. He predicted that and did it and pulled it off. That guy, Jesus, believed that Adam and Eve were real. That's why I believe, because he believed. I'm not trying to convince you of that this morning. Regardless of what you feel about Adam and Eve, you can learn something from this. Adam and Eve is described in Genesis and we're uh, somewhere around Genesis chapter 3, here's what happens. God creates him and he says, listen, go into the garden and you can do absolutely anything you want. Nothing is off limits. Do whatever you want except one single thing. 
don't, don't touch that tree or eat that fruit. Just don't do that. But anything else is okay. And so God created them, sent them out there, and what did they do? Ching! They made a beeline for the tree. They ate the fruit. Exactly. Uh, the, e- the evil one, Satan, said, listen, go ahead and do that because it's going to make you wise like God. You're going to be like God. You're going to know what God knows. You're going to be able to, you're going to be God. Just, you're going to be able to be your own boss. Do things your own way. You'll be just like God. And that's what they did. They had perfection. They had the perfect place. We can't even imagine it. And that's what they chose to do. To call their own shots, to be their own boss, to be in control, to manage their own lives the way they wanted to do it. And that's still happening today. And really the issue in this is really control. Wanting to control, to, to, to be your own boss. The phrase for that we already told you is playing God. What does it look like when you control and when I control my own life, when I want to manage everything around me? Here, here are some of the things we try to manage. If you're taking notes, the first one is this. We play God by trying to control and manage our image. You want to control what other people think about you. That's what you want to control. That's why I wear a suit on Sundays to make me look better. Well, it's actually a four-piece suit if you count my underwear, but we usually don't count the underwear, so it's a three-piece suit. But we try to control what other people think about us, what they see. We, we try to control that because we, don't, we, we want to control that image. So we kind of play games and we wear masks and we try to pretend and fake it and we try to kind of let people, you know, you see people doing it all the time with selfies until they're really good at taking selfies. They're going to have to take four or five before they find the one that they're going to let you see. And that's the one that went on the internet. Why? Because we want to control what people see about us because we want to control the image that we have. We don't want them to see our weaknesses. We don't want them to see our emotions that we're worried or we're upset or that we're afraid. We don't want people to see the real us. Because if I tell you who I really am and you don't like me, then that's tough for me because I am all I have. So I need you to like me. So I need to control what you see about me. I need, you to, I need to control my image, what other people think. We do this, and it is part of playing God. There's more to it, though. We play God by trying to control and trying to manage other people who are around us. We do that as well. Parents trying to control kids, kids trying to control parents, wives trying to control husbands, husbands trying to control wives, people trying to control other people, people at your work trying to control other people at your work, countries trying to control countries. We use lots of tools to manipulate people to try to control the people around us. We use um, guilt to control people. We use fear. We can even use kind words and praise. Um, Some of us can use sometimes the silent treatment to control people. Or we can go the other direction and use anger and rage. But all of it's trying to control people. We need them to do a certain thing. So we do certain things to try to control them and have them do certain things. It's all part of playing God. We also play God by trying to control and trying to manage our problems. We're good at this one. We use phrases like, oh, I can handle it. We say, oh, it's not really a problem. 
when we hear those phrases, that's somebody trying to play God. Okay, I can handle it. I'm okay. Really, really, I'm fine. We manage our problems so that we can live with our problems. And we say, I don't need any help. I certainly don't need any counseling. I can manage this. I can handle this. And we try to control our problems. I say, I can quit anytime. It's all right. It'll work out. I am sure it'll work out. But what we discover is the more we try to manage it and the more we try to control it ourselves, the worse the problem gets. And trying to manage our problems and control the outcomes of our bad decisions, that's part of playing God. There's another part. Part of playing God is trying to control or trying to manage our pain. We're also very good at this. Have you ever thought how much time, how much time you spend running from or trying to reduce pain in your life? Trying to avoid it, deny it, escape from it, trying to postpone it. We try to postpone it in many different ways. Sometimes when we feel pain in our lives, we try to eat that pain away. Sometimes when we feel pain, we do the opposite and we stop eating. Sometimes we try to postpone pain with alcohol or drugs, or sometimes we try to postpone pain with habits. Just we smoke it away. We sometimes get in and out of relationships because we are feeling pain in our lives. And we look at that relationship. It's not doing it. Something's going wrong. It's not helping. And we look over there and we say, but that relationship over there, if I were in that relationship with, with her or with him, I would feel better because I think they would make me feel better. They would say the things I need said. They would do the things I need done. They would make me feel better. So we go to that relationship over there. And then a little while later, we look at it and we say, hmm, that didn't make me feel better at all. It wasn't this relationship. I thought it was this one, but it's not this one. And then we look over there and we say, maybe it's that one. And so we go to that relationship and that wasn't it. Then we go to the next one, all looking for one thing for us to feel normal for the pain to feel less. Sometimes we develop compulsive behaviors or habits to try to control our pain. Sometimes we become abusive and we get angry with other people or we get critical and judgmental, maybe just to throw attention somewhere else so they don't see the pain that's in our own lives. Sometimes we get depressed and then the numbness sets in over our whole lives. Sometimes sometimes we just continue a search one way after another, looking to control our pain, to lessen our pain. But here's what happens. When we find a moment that we're alone and that everything is quiet, then we experience this private pain. Because in those quiet moments, we are beginning to realize that we are not God and we cannot control our pain and we cannot control the people around us. And that's scary. The first step in order for us to begin a journey of getting better, to get better God's way, really the only way is to admit that very thing, to say this, you're not going to get better on your own. And we have to face it. We have to stop denying that. Because if I could get better on my own, I would have already done it. If I could, I would have already done it. But I'm not better. Because I can't do it. 
And, you know, as I continue to play God and to try to control myself and my image and the people in my life, as I continue to do that, there are some consequences. The first one is this. I'm going to be afraid. You say, that's silly. That's silly. But here, the truth, Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, the first thing that happened after they did all of that is they were afraid. They said, God, we were afraid, so we hid. Why were they afraid? They were afraid what would happen when God found out. And, and here's the truth. We get afraid too because our fear is this. What if they finally find out that I'm a fake and I'm a phony and I've been hiding and I've been hurting? What's going to happen when they really find that out? So we don't want to let anybody get close to us because we're afraid what they may find out. And that's the truth that we do hurt and we have hurt others and we are hurting ourselves. So we fake it. We pretend that everything's okay. The whole time we're really afraid everybody's going to find out. That's part of the consequences of us playing God. But there's more. We also get frustrated because it's frustrating to be the general manager of the universe. And nobody in the universe is acknowledging that. They're not listening to me and they're not listening to you. It's frustrating. As soon as you think you get one thing handled, then another thing pops up. And it's a never-ending cycle. And it's frustrating. Something is always going wrong. And we're always handling it wrong. Paul realized this for himself. Listen to what he realized. This is in, in verse 9 of Romans 7, 7 uh, verse 19. He says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do that anyway, he said. But Paul knew that there was something going on under the surface, something going on that he could not control. And in Romans 7.20, the very next verse, here's what he says about it. But if I do what I don't want to, I'm not really the one doing what is wrong. That sounds like he's excusing himself. But here's what he's saying. He goes on, he said, it is sin living in me that does it. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying, I have a natural response, and it is always sin. And it's not going away. It's there all the time. And he said that for himself, and that's the truth for you and me, too. It is there. I know I should, but I don't. I know I shouldn't, but I do. If you're frustrated with life, that's a symptom that there's something deeper happening that maybe it has not been dealt with yet. And maybe it's a root issue. It's probably we have been trying to play God and we are frustrated because we can't manage the circumstances, the people, ourselves. We can't do it. If someone could have done it, I would think it would have been this great warrior in the Old Testament. His name was David. It's the guy that took out the giant. He was a great warrior. He was also a poet. Go figure that. I don't understand that. But here's what he said in Psalm 32, verse 3, for himself. He said, when I refused to confess my sin. In other words, he said, I just kept pretending that it was okay. I kept pretending that everything was all right. And I was going to, hey, I was handling it. I was making it. I was doing all right. He said, as long as I kept pretending that, he said, my body 
wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Nobody else knew what was going on, but inside he was wasting away. He felt every moment of that inside, he said. And you know what that does to us? Eventually, we get tired. Eventually, we get tired, sometimes so tired, we're tired of life. Because it's tiring playing God. It's tiring trying to manage the world that is unmanageable. It's tiring to try to control everything, and it's tiring to pretend that everything is okay, that you have it all together. It's tiring to deny and deny and deny that there's a problem. It takes a lot of energy to put up a good front and to pretend every single day that everything's okay. It's tiring. I've got a group of friends in my life, part of the church, and in fact, it's part of our bylaws, in fact. And they're called the vision partners. And you know what their main job is? Their main job is to make sure that I am not an idiot. Man, they are so busy. (laughs) That's their job. They are the closest to me in the church. And they know, I mean, they just know what's going on. I don't even have to tell them. They know what's happening in my heart. And they know those seasons in my life where I had to fake it until I made it. They know. They know. They know. And, and in fact, they are the ones that, that I tell these things to. I mean, I tell you as much as I can, but they know, they just know. And they, they, they see me, you know, and, and, you know, for me, a really cool thing is that they also come to me and, and they will say, Harley, I can, I can tell, I can tell that you're, you're growing through that junk and that mess. And I can tell that God's working and that that you're working with him. I can tell. I see it. Because they have that access into my life and they watch me really closely. And David was saying, I'm wasting away here because I'm hiding all of this mess. Do you know what else he said in the very next verse? The mighty warrior, David, he said this. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And then it says this, and this word interlude, which is a weird word. But here's what, he, here's what that means. He says, now think about that. That's what, it, that's what that word means. Stop, stop reading. Now just think about that. Then he says in verse 5, finally. I confessed all of my sins to you. And he's talking to God. I confess my sins to you, God. And I stopped trying to hide my guilt. He said, I'm, I'm going to quit playing games. I'm going to quit trying to hide and tr- quit trying to control what everybody sees and thinks about me. I'm going to quit trying to control them. I'm going to quit. And say to myself, he said, and he said, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And God did not come down and crush him as we often deserve. He didn't do that. He said, and you forgave me and all of my guilt is gone. 
Now think about that. How nice would that be? But instead, most people try to hide their pain and they try to run from their pain, maybe even by just keeping busy. Because the busier we can be always doing something, having to always be in the boat or always be in the woods, having to do anything we can do, always to be busy so that we won't have to stop and think about that. If we're in a constant state of fatigue and we are frustrated, worn out, and tired, maybe we need to pause just long enough to ask ourselves this, what what is it maybe that I'm running from? What is motivating me to work at that pace and be that busy? Because here's the fourth thing that's for sure going to happen to any of us who are trying to play God, and that is we will eventually fail. When we try to play God, that is one job description we will never ever, ever succeed at, we are guaranteed to fail. And God describes, he gives us a verse for that, Proverbs 28, 13. This is the message. It's a translate, it's a, I'm sorry, a paraphrase of this verse, but listen to how it's worded in verse 13. You can't whitewash your sins and get by with it. In other words, you can't take out this new paint and paint over all these crusty old problems to make people think it looks good and it's all okay because it doesn't work. It's obvious. But he said, you will find mercy by admitting and leaving them. To finally admit. And here's what we're asking of you today. To be honest. To be open. To admit that you have some weaknesses and you have some faults and you have some failures. You know what, Stuttgart Harvest Church, we have tried from the very beginning the very beginning, Valentine's Day of 2010, from the very beginning, we have tried to be committed to creating a place where real people can talk about real problems, real hurts, and real hangups, and frustrations, and habits, and not be blown away by judgment. Not be blown away and afraid that, that if they admit that I am real and I hurt, that they won't be faced with a church full of judgment. Because there's not a person in this room who has it all together. We are all weak in different areas in our lives. We are all weak. We all need each other. And in fact, we can become mirrors for each other. My vision partners can see things in my life, that, my life that I may never see myself. We need each other. You need them and they need you. And in this church, we're beginning to develop that atmosphere. In fact, we have a group that meets every single Wednesday night at 8 o'clock at the Harvest House. And it is a group of people who are admitting, I have some things that, that I can't control. I have some things in my life I need help with. I need recovery for. And in that group, they're, they're, they're admitting, I have all kinds of hurts. They're different hurts and different habits and different hangups. But they meet together to walk together with Christ towards healing. So, 
You don't have it all together. How are we going to react to that? Some of us this morning are going to react by saying, well, my problem's, yeah, I have a problem, but my problem's not that bad. And that's called denial. Because how bad does it have to get before you're going to admit that you need some help? How bad does it go, is it going to have to hurt before you're going to get help in that relationship or help with that pain or that problem or that memory that you can't shake? How bad are you going to have to hurt before you admit that you need help? Unfortunately, our human behavior is that we're just going to not admit it and not change. Until the pain becomes greater than our fear of change. We're not going to change when we see the light because we already know that we know what's right and we don't do it. So that's not going to help. We're not going to change until we feel the heat of our lives falling apart, until we feel the heat of our kids going off the rails in life, until we feel the heat of that phone call that comes in the middle of the night, and then your life changes. But you can save yourself some pain if you will start early on a journey towards recovery in life. If you'll start early and admit that you need some help early. One man put it this way. He said, it happened to me when the acid of my pain finally ate through the wall of my denial. You've heard Rick Warren maybe say this many times. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. He says, pain is God's megaphone. And let that pain motivate you to get help, to admit that you have an issue, that you need to face it. Maybe one you've been ignoring for 10 or 20 years. So this morning, how's your pain level? What's happening with pain? Where's the warning light to you with pain? And then I tell you this, to listen to that. Some of you are going to say, well, that's fine, yes, but... You know, this series, that's, that's for them because really, I can solve this. I can solve my problems. And that's called denial too. Unless you've had a perfect life, then there is something you need to deal with in your life. All of us. You can say, I can handle that. I can take care of that. But the fact is, if we could have handled that problem, we would have already handled it. The very fact that the problem still exists today is proof you can't handle it. I can't handle it. In denial, it's as old as Adam and Eve as well. They had a problem and they ran from God to hide. You ask somebody, well, how's it going? And it's fine. It's okay. I can handle it going okay but at some point if we are going to get better with life we have to admit I'm powerless 
I'm powerless over this. It seems to control me. I can't get over it. I've tried. I can't get over it. I've gotten over it for a little while, but it came back. I can't get over it. I've tried. I can't. I'm powerless. And that's where the cure, the healing begins. The first step towards getting better is for us to admit, I am powerless. And you know, the Bible says that actually admitting that weakness actually makes you stronger. Just admitting that you'll find strength. It's not popular in our culture to admit that because listen, we're pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. We're don't, you don't have to depend upon anybody else. You can do it. You can make it happen. You're the lone ranger. You don't need anybody else. But this is essential. This first step is so essential. If we're going to get our acts together, we have to admit I'm powerless over this problem, this hurt, this habit, this memory. I'm powerless. And I need other people and I need God. Admitting that I am not God means admitting some important things. Here's what we're encouraging you to honestly, sincerely admit today. It'll be on the screen. Here's the first one. I admit that I'm powerless to change my past. I hurt and I remember it. And then I resent everything because I'm hurting so badly. I can't change it. I cannot go back and change what I have done. And I cannot go back and change what other people have done to me. I can't change it. It's happened. It's a fact, Jack. I can't change it. And I have to admit, I am powerless to go back and change what has gone down. I am powerless. I have to admit that to God. Here's the second thing we're asking you to admit this morning. I admit that I am powerless to control other people. I try. You've tried. We've even tried to manipulate them into doing the right thing, a better thing, a good thing. And, and or we've even tried to manipulate them just to look at us and see us in a different way as we hide from people. We, we've tried. We've used gimmicks and tricks, but they don't work. I cannot control other people. And you know what I'm learning? I am not responsible for their actions or their behavior. Not theirs. I'm responsible for mine. I can't control other people. And we have to admit this. I admit that I am powerless to cope with my harmful habits, my behaviors, and my actions. Good intentions are not enough. How many times have we tried to cope and manage, and we have failed. Willpower is not enough because eventually we, we let go of the willpower and it comes right back. You see, we need something more than willpower. We need a source of power that is beyond ourselves. We need something more. We need God. Because God actually created you and me to need God. Our bottom line this morning says this, I am throwing up the white flag. And I'm saying this, I give up. 
I can't do this on my own. I need him. I'm throwing the white flag up and I'm saying, I give up. I, I, I give up. I can't do this. I'm powerless. I need him. I've tried to do this on my own. I've tried to manage it. I can't do it. I need him. That's humbling, isn't it? But listen to what God says. James chapter 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And that grace that he's going to give you is going to be the grace that you need. If you will humble yourself and say, God, I can't. I tried. I can't. I need you. I have to have you. I need you. I'm powerless over this. It has power over me. I need you. And he gives grace to the humble. That grace that he gives you is what you need in order to begin the change that he'll help you with. It all starts with admitting it. He wants to help you recover from life, from the hassles in your life. But you're going to need his grace in order to do it. How you get it? There's only one way. Humility. To be humble and say, God, I can't do it on my own. I need you. So let me ask, what needs changing in your life? What's going on that needs changing? What hurt, what habit, what, what thing in the past keeps coming back and haunting you? Maybe you've been ignoring it, but ignore it no longer. What, what needs changing? For many of us, this will be a tough step because it is admitting, admitting that we can't do it or we would have. We can't. Once you get over this hump of admitting that you need God's help, then He's ready to give you the grace to run in and begin this journey toward healing. It's hard for us to do. It's humbling. It's saying, I, I'm not God. I, I can't control other people. I can't control the circumstances around me. I can't control my past. And God, I cannot even control myself. This morning, will you admit that to God? And I'm asking you to join us on this four-week journey. Three more weeks to go. Don't miss a Sunday. I know it's getting tight in here. I know it is uncomfortable. I, I know if you're stuck in a metal chair that it hurts the backside hurt. It's, it's uncomfortable. I know, but don't give up. Don't say for you that the, what you're going to want to say is, I like what they're doing, but there's no room for me. I want to tell you, if there's standing room only, we'll stand. It's not that long. Come with us on this journey. And I bet there's somebody in your life that might need to take this journey alongside of you. Today's teaching is going to be uploaded Monday or Tuesday. I'll put it on Facebook. I'll let you know when it's there. Make sure you friend me. I'll let you know when it's there. And here's what I need you to do. Come back. Be a part of this series. And during the week, this week it's going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on the blog I'm going to give you step number two. Today, step number one. Step number two will be Monday, a different post. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on the blog. StuttgartHarvestChurch.org. I'll put that up on Facebook as well. Make sure you're my friend. And then come back next week for step number three.
Let's admit to God we can't do it. Let's start this journey today. Let's pray. God, David the warrior, he admitted that he was wasting away. And finally, he said, finally, I confessed all of my sins to you. And he stopped trying. He stopped trying to hide his guilt. He confessed to you, God. He admitted that he needed you. And God, you forgave him. You did not move in to crush him. You forgave him. And he said, all my guilt is gone. You gave him, God, you gave him peace. God, many of us this morning are admitting to you, we need you. We need what you can give, what only you can give, because we can't do this on our own. We're taking the next five minutes, God, just to admit that you're the king who can change us. You're the Savior who can shelter us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.